Today with Catherine Ruinala. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, it's a good time to be alive. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I want to ask you, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. But he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weaknesses. For when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. I just thought, oh, that's so wonderfully, wonderfully expressed. My weakness becomes a portal to his power. You know, it's a truth that I have learned and I have lived. The the Bible talks about um, the church of Laodicea in in Revelation chapter 3. And it says there that you think you're rich and full and have need of nothing. But actually, you're wretched, poor, miserable, blind, and naked, and you, you need, you need me. You need to ask for eyesight so you can see, basically, so you can recognize your need for me. And if you'd ask, oh, I'll feed you, I'll clothe you, I'll help you. And for me, I feel it's so important that I never want to get to the place where I think I'm, I'm right, no worries, I'm good, I'm right, no worries. Because, and I, I was raised like that. Uh, my dad was a doctor and, and, you know, it's all right, come on, you get on with it. And um, no room for, for a lot of self-pity. But if you, if you adopt this attitude of, I'm right, no worries, um, and actually don't acknowledge that you have need for God, then you don't access the help that he wants to give us. God's heart for us is that we would acknowledge, I am weak, but oh God, you are my strength. That as I surrender my need and my weakness to you, I can receive your supernatural strength. And it's the way I began, really, my journey with God. I got real with God one day in worship, and I I was just 12 years old on a camp and everybody was doing what they were doing tonight, lifting their hands, worshiping God. And I I believed in God sincerely, but I, I just got real with him that night. And I said, Lord, I can't see you and I don't know you. And this is just really hard to worship someone I can't see and I don't know. I was acknowledging my weakness and I said, help and right there in worship, ah, I found him. He made himself real to me. And the only way I can describe it is a bit like John Newton. I was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. And it's that place of weakness, that place of acknowledging your need for help that is the place of power. And it's the heart of God that we would learn how to live there. I've been thinking a lot about the story of Joseph. If you've ever read the book of Genesis, there is a lot of Genesis devoted 
to the story of Joseph. Comparatively, I mean, it's a, it's a, a good big chunk because there's so much that we can learn from the life of Joseph. And it's a fascinating story, the whole story of Jacob and Leah and Rachel. I, I find it fascinating, actually, when you begin and, and you look at um, Leah. And she was the older of the two sisters. Jacob was uh, the son of Isaac and uh, he went to go to work for a man called Laban because Laban demanded that if you work for me seven years, I'll give you my daughter, Rachel, that he'd fallen in love with. But when the time came for him to receive his bride, he wasn't given Rachel. He was given her sister, Leah, and was tricked. And the father said, well, it's not our custom for the younger one to marry before the older one. You'll just have to have her, and if you work another seven years, I'll give you the younger one as well. And so Jacob was pretty ticked off, really, and he worked his other seven years, and he had the two daughters, but Leah, well, she lived the life of an unloved wife, which was a sad situation. And if you read in Genesis 29, in verse 31, it says, When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and she stopped bearing. I, I look at that and think, this is so amazing. This woman, she was trying so hard to please her husband, to try. I just want him to love me. And, and she said, this time, maybe he will. I'll call my son this because I know he'll get attached to me now. But then finally, she just came to the place where she said, this one, I'm just going to praise the Lord. I'm going to call his name praise, Judah. And if you look through history, it wasn't in the line of Simeon or Levi or um, Reuben that the son of God came or David, it was in the line of Judah, the line of praise, hallelujah. And I look at that and I think, you know, Leah came to a place where she actually just gave up trying and just decided, I'm just gonna praise the Lord. And it, you know, it's this place of surrender as we learn what it looks like to surrender that God can birth miracles. It's in that place of surrender that God can do what he wants to do. And so that's why this story of Joseph fascinates me. Joseph was the son of Rachel. Rachel ended up finally bearing two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. And Jacob, because Rachel passed away when she gave birth to Benjamin, he was very attached to those two sons because they were the sons of the woman that he loved. And he favoured Joseph above all his brothers, gave him a 
multicolored dream coat. You know, I did the musical when I was in primary school. Joseph, hallelujah. And um, his brothers got jealous and they tried to kill him. But they decided at the last minute, one of the brothers went, no, no, come on, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in a pit and sell him to some slaves. And they sold him off as a slave and told their father that, that Joseph was dead. And Joseph went and he served faithfully in, as a slave in the house of Potiphar. Then he was wrongfully accused and thrown into prison. And we're going to pick up the story here in Genesis 40, verse 5. Now, Joseph's been in prison for quite some time. In fact, if you read about him in Psalm 105, um, 17, it says, He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was served, sold as a servant. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in chains of iron, and his soul entered into the iron until his word came true, until the word of the Lord tried and tested him. It wasn't some pleasant situation. It was a dungeon. And he, they hurt his feet with fetters. He was horrifically treated, all alone, slandered, and the word of the Lord tested him. I like the way it puts it here in the Amplified in that the iron actually, his soul entered into the iron. It, he came to the place of, I think, probably close to complete despair. It's like, but have a look at his attitude here in verse 5. A, a butler and a baker from Pharaoh's household were thrown into jail because the uh, Pharaoh got angry with them. And then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined to this prison had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house saying, why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, we each have had a dream and there's no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. And he went on and he interpreted their dreams. I love this because Joseph, like he seriously has had a really, really, really tough time. Really unfair. If you think you've got bad things going on, it was worse for Joseph. This, this was really bad, seriously. I don't see many of you sitting in irons right now, like really bad. And yet he says, why are you sad today? How can I help? I remember sitting at a coffee table once years ago and I was talking to a lady who was going through a really horrible breakup, just been terribly treated. And in the middle of the conversation, she just stops and she says, Oh, just excuse me for a minute. I've just really got so much compassion for this lady over here. I think she really needs just some encouragement. And she gets up and she just goes over and, and gives her a word of encouragement. Then comes back down, sit, sits down again and we, we talk. And I was so, as a young woman, I was so touched that someone going through one of the worst times of their life was able to have eyes to see someone else was able to look and see and have compassion for someone else. And in the midst of difficult situations, I know I'm looking around the room, there's people here who are very good at doing that. 
But if you can look and see, as you start to release hope, it's like a river. And that river will start to flow through your own life. When you're at the place where you feel, I've got nothing left in the tank, but you can look around and see, is there someone I could encourage? Watch and see what will happen as the river starts to flow. Hallelujah. Why are you sad today? I mean, he could have said, what do you got to complain about? I've been here for four years. <laughs> but he didn't. How can I help? Tell me the dream. Do not interpretations belong to God? And he had this beautiful attitude. Yes, my God, he will help you. And he interpreted their dreams. But then in verse 14, it says, but remember me when it's well with you and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh. Because one of the interpretations was that the butler would be restored. And, and then Joseph's like, oh, well, when you go, please remember me. Can you tell them that I'm here unjustly? Can you tell them that I've done nothing wrong and they shouldn't have put me in this dungeon? You think that's a fair enough request? But unfortunately, as the um, butler was restored, he forgot all about Joseph. And it was another four years, I think, that he was just in the prison. Or he was there a long time. I'll have to look and see. But often I find myself, when I'm still trying to fix it and make it better and make it work, God just lets me keep trying. But when I get to the place of, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. There's nothing else I can do to fix this, God. I surrender. <sighs> That's when God comes. That's when God's able to do something wonderful because His desire is that as we surrender to Him, is to come and give... Uh, to do what he has longed to do, come to be the great hero that he wants to be for us. You see, when you hit that place of despair, where you feel like, I actually, I don't have anything left. I, I've done everything I can do. I, I just, I can't do anything else. I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do. It's a bit like Jehoshaphat. I don't know what else to do, but my eyes are on you. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to look to you. You have, a, you have a choice when you get to that place. You can either despair or you can surrender. Despair, you don't want to go there. It's stinky. doesn't lead anywhere good. Even if the enemy wants to dress it up as this pity party or oh, just end it all. It's not going to end well. It's not going to make you feel better. Nothing, it's, nothing is going to work out well if you go with him down the road of despair. I think of um, uh, Pilgrim's Progress when Pilgrim fell into the slough of despond. And finally, Evangelist comes along and points out the stairs. And the stairs are the promises of God. Did you not know that the stairs are here? There's always a way of escape. Hallelujah. You can always remind yourself of the promises of God. But you have a choice when you get to that place. Because we all get to that place sometimes. Where it's like, I can't do anything else. I've come to the end of my physical human ability to do anything in this situation. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That 
is a portal to power. That place is a really sweet spot because in that place, you can actually surrender. And when you surrender and you say, God, I can't do it, but my eyes are on you. When you come to that place where you say, God, you'll do it. You are great. I'm going to trust in you. It's your problem now. (laughs) I've tried. Now you're going to have to do it. I surrender it to you. That place of surrender is a really wonderful place of peace. Hallelujah. It's not a... um, it's not a give up, um, pathetic despair. It's actually the rest of faith. It's the place where you go, hooray, I realise I can't do it, but you can. Like I've been sharing from um, Jeremiah, when Jeremiah was having so much trouble and he poured out his complaint to the Lord and the Lord answers and says, if you've grown weary with the horse, um, with the footman, how are you going to run with the horses? And you think, God, you know, that doesn't seem very nice. You know, why don't you just tell him something encouraging? But actually it is encouraging when you realise what God's saying. He's saying, hey, are you, are you tired now? Well, how are you going to run with horses? Is there anybody here who can un- outrun a horse in full flight? Anybody? No, because it's impossible. And God has destined you for the impossible. And if you will look to him and say, God, okay, yeah, in that test, I really, 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 really tried. And this is all too hard. You'll go, okay, what have we learned? We've learned that we can't do it in our own strength. That it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And as we surrender, we are, what we do is we fall back into his arms. <laughs> Yay, hooray. Oh, hooray. Thank you for letting me see. Oh, you will do it. And look what, this is actually where Joseph came to. If you have a little look in Genesis 41, verse 16, Joseph finally gets his big break. Finally, the cupbearer remembers, oh, yeah, there is a guy. He interpreted my dream. It was right. Maybe you could try him. And so Pharaoh calls for Joseph out of the prison. He gets all shaved and brought in. And the Pharaoh says, I hear you can interpret dreams. And this is Joseph's response. Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. You see, when you get to that place where you go, it's not in me. Yeah, nah, I can't do it. But God will. God will give you an answer. That is the place of power. That's the portal to power. Hallelujah. Talked about in 2 Corinthians. That's the place where you go, hooray. Thank you, Jesus. You will make a way where there seems to be no way. In my weakness, you are strong. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. 
For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger, for my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. And we know that not only, not only did Joseph get an interpretation, he actually told Pharaoh what the dream was and the, and the interpretation and then he was promoted and put in charge. You see, and I love the suddenlies of God. But when we learn what it looks like, and I believe in this season of genuine outpouring and revival, this is a place and an opportunity for us to, to surrender again, surrender afresh and say, God, I can't do it. It's not in me. This place of repentance where we go, I'm so sorry, God, that I thought I could do this. I'm so sorry for, for, for struggling in my own strength. You know, the beautiful thing I, I, I sense of what God is doing right now is in his light, we're seeing light. It's like, ah, the Lord, he is God. God, you are able and, and that, oh, God, yes, God, we'll, 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 we'll follow you for your ways are higher. We'll lay down our agendas. We'll lay down our ministries. We'll lay down our ambitions and just say, the Lord, he is God. Oh, and come back into that freedom, that place of, oh, it's just all about you. Now people look at me and they think, are you, are you, are you quite right? What, why are you so happy? The truth is I've found the one who is able to rescue me out of every evil attack, the one who is my constant support. I mean, we are so blessed in this church with amazing people who support each other and love each other, and it's beautiful, and it should be. We should bear one another's burdens, do good, especially to the household of faith. Take every opportunity to be kind, to encourage people. If you've got it, don't hold it back. If you could say something, then do, because it means so much to people. But there is nobody on the planet that can give you what he can which is this constant supernatural power, this reality that he is with you in the fire, that he is there all the time. And as you learn what it looks like, not just to have him theoretically as a companion, but to <laughs> surrender to the Holy Spirit himself, God, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of the Son, teaching me where we say, God, my life is not my own. It's been bought with a price. So Father, I repent of living it like I'm the boss. I repent for, for living my life thinking that I have to try and figure it out. God, my life is not my own. It's been bought with a price. You are my God. The Lord, he is God. I am here. Speak to me. Tell me what you'd like me to do today. Thank you, Lord. You're taking care of it. So, Lord, what is, what, what's today? What would you like to do today? And it's a place of freedom. Hallelujah. When you don't have to figure it out. Isn't that nice? To think it's his problem, not yours.
or you can just roll it over onto him. <laughs> Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Cast it. That is like, not mine. <laughs> oh, that feels better. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I've, I've, I find that um, often as people come and they, they have prayer requests and I'm praying for people. I, I remember once trying to pray for this person and, you know, I was used to seeing them a miracle so that everyone could then get faith in God and see more miracles and I'm praying for this first person at a meeting and I'm praying, like, I'm really trying, like, praying my best prayers. Come on. Shabbat. And it's not happening. Nothing's happening. And I heard a voice behind me. I heard him speak. He said, would you like some help with that? And I realized, hey, I've gotten back into my trying to make it happen. When you surrender and go, oh, <laughs> sorry, God, I'm going to get out of the way now. Thank you, Father. You will give them the answer that they seek. The next person who tried to get close to me for prayer was thrown backwards under the power of God and was instantly healed. Hi, friends. I hope you've been enjoying our programs and that they're filling your heart with love and hope. This program's being watched around the world and we're hearing great testimonies about salvations, physical healings, deliverances, relationships restored and circumstances turning around supernaturally. I'd love to hear your testimony. Send us an email at info at so we can rejoice with you. Why not visit our website and sign up for our regular email newsletter filled with encouragement. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and watch our church services on Facebook and YouTube every week. I'd love to be able to connect with you. I pray that as you've watched this program, the Holy Spirit has been stirring you to walk fully in the mission that God has planned for you. One way to step into your calling is to receive good instruction. Our monthly partners receive exclusive access to mentoring on a regular basis. You'll be able to join the live mentoring sessions and have the opportunity to ask the questions that are important to your current situation. As a partner, your name and photo will be added to our prayer wall so that we can pray for you regularly. You'll also receive our newsletter in the mail, which we pray will deliver a word of encouragement right when you need it. Please visit our website or contact our call center to become a monthly partner today. God bless you as you take your next steps toward your God-given destiny. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the friends and partners of Catherine Ruinala Ministries.